Welcome to episode six of season seven of the Simplify and Multiply show. Today, I'm going to be having a conversation with Doug Fletcher, and this is why you should listen. Doug is co-author of How Clients Buy. Great book. Highly recommend it. It really helps you get in the mindset of how your clients buy. (laughs) And uh, I reached out to Doug after I read the book. I was just so impressed with the work. And he and I developed a really nice friendship as a result. And I said, Doug, I've got to have you on my season seven, which is all about writing a book that built your business. And what I want to talk to Doug about is really about his experience working with a major publisher, which is Wiley, and uh, kind of like the ideas that he had that brought him to creating this work and how he's leveraging that for his business as a speaker and an author and a coach. And uh, you're going to love this conversation. He's a great guy. So let's get going with Doug Fletcher. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply Show, hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply Show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Well, hey, Doug, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Terry. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's one of my favorites that I listen to um, every single week. Thank you. Well, you know, it's super important to flatter the host because then the host will be truly kind to you (laughs) and not ask you any hard questions. (laughs) You would be kind either way, whether I flattered you or not, but it's sincere. I really have enjoyed your podcast um, and um, and the the topics are so um, poignant. The guests are so, um, you know, are so helpful and entertaining, but um, but keep it up. I know it's a lot of work, but but I've really enjoyed it. Well, I enjoy doing it, and I'm so happy that you're here today. I remember when I first connected with you after I read How Clients Buy, and I'm like, i got to talk to this guy, Doug. (laughs) And it seems like we formed this nice little friendship as a result, and and I'm so grateful to the time that that we've spent together talking, and, um, and you interviewed me and asked me a bunch of questions about my business and actually made a little bit about Terry Pappy in your next book, yes. which, is, uh, which is How to Win Client Business that you just drafted and sent off to Wiley. Congratulations on getting that done. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's, you know, it's, it's a labor of love, and, you know, and, and we're going to talk a lot more about it you know, in, in, in today's discussion, but, um, but yeah, I um, the uh, I did include you in one of my chapters because um, uh, you have an incredible backstory of how you arrived at where you are today serving solopreneurs and it's just a perfect example of of, of you know niching yourself and um, so yeah thank you for letting me share your story with others are you it's kidding a great me story. I'm like beyond words with like so appreciate so appreciative of, of well, you good. doing that. I really good. am. Um, you know, I'm gonna buy like eight thousand copies and give them to everybody I good. know. Look, look, I'm in a book. <laughs> Do it. Yes. Buy more. 
buy more books. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, your now how clients buy was your first uh, book that you did with Wiley and you co-authored that uh, that book with. Um, Oh my God, I'm having a brain fart. Tom McMakin. That's right. That's right, Tom. So as you um, as you were going through this journey, just kind of walk me through how your relationship with Wiley unfolded. And because a lot of the people that I have as clients and have also had on this season have gone the self-publishing route. And mm. I thought it was really important to have uh, a guest or two that went the more traditional route mm. that we all kind of like grew up understanding. But once mm. self-publishing came on scene, you know, 15, 20 years ago, now it's like the wild, wild west out there when it comes to publishing. So I, I kind of want to get your perspective of what that experience was, as well as what was the deciding factor behind you making that choice um, of, of going with Wiley and how that all kind of unfolded for yeah. you and Tom. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good question and a good topic. I um so uh you know, I listened to your most recent podcast with Dale Roberts and and he had an incredible amount of information knowledge as it relates to self-publishing which I know nothing about and and you know, honestly, having only worked with Wiley, you know, on on the first book and now on the second book, you know, that's really all I know, and so that's what I'll talk about today. Um, and I don't really know if it's a better path than the self-publishing path. So you know, it's 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 just what I know. I'm, and I'm sure there's pros and cons to both approach. But um, but yeah, I'll just tell you a little bit of the backstory on on um, on how how clients buy our first book came to be with Wiley. And, um, and then we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, first of all, um, you know, now I am a, a university professor and I've been doing that for about the last six or seven years. It's like the third chapter of my career. Um, and, you know, but before that, for the last, you know, for the previous, you know, 20 plus years, you know, I had been in in business in in a, you know a traditional business career, and um, in the last 15 years before I started teaching, I was the head of a um, a boutique consulting firm that that I helped co-found and then ran the company for 15 years, and and then we sold it in 2014, and so it gave me kind of a new a new clean slate to reinvent myself and to figure you know figure out what I was going to do next, and. Um, you know, as I started teaching, um, uh, I was doing some consulting on the side, as many of us do, kind of a side gig or side hustle. And um, and one of my clients was Tom McMakin. And Tom McMakin is the CEO of a boutique consulting firm called Profitable Ideas Exchange, which is a wonderful and fascinating company. Um, but, uh, but anyway, Tom had previously written a book that had been published, um, not by Wiley. I forget the, but one of the one of the larger ones. And um, his bread and butter, right? His bre yeah, bread and butter. And it's a wonderful memoir um, about about his life. He had been the um, chief operating officer of Great Harvest Bread Company and helped franchise that. And so anyway, it was a wonderful book. But um, I jokingly said to Tom one day after we had been working together for about a year, I said to him, I said you know, we ought to write a book together about our experiences in this client consultant relationship. And, um, you know, and he kind of joked and, you know, 
kind of laughed about it, but, you know, um, but, you know, I kept after him and, you know, eventually he said, yeah, let's do this. And um, so I, I totally rode Tom's coattails on that first book. Um, Tom, having published a book previously, he had a book agent. Um, Bread and Butter book was published probably 15, 20 years ago, but he still had a relationship with his um, with his book agent. And we reached out to her and, you know, we, uh, and, you know, we wanted to see if she was interested and she was. And traditionally in the, in the, in the, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, I think you almost had to have an agent yeah. to get a publisher to talk to you, yep, especially definitely. as a first time author. Mm -hmm. I think that's changing. And we can talk a little bit more about that lately with some of my experiences with Wiley. But anyway, Sherry Bukowski um, in um, outside of New York City is our agent. She took us on. She helped us write a book proposal, which took you know, probably about a year because we had other jobs. But um, eventually we had a book proposal, which is the first step if you want to, you know, go the traditional publishing route. Right. And um, and then once we had a proposal, she had relationships with all the major publishing houses based in New York. And she shopped it around and Wiley nibbled and off we were running with Wiley. So that and, was... And that's, that's really the biggest value of an agent is that those relationships um, that they have. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. If it, it's, it's, it's 100% true. You know, Terry, as a, as a relative, no one, nobody, I'm sure Wiley, I never would have gotten a deal with Wiley had it not been for Sherry, you know, our agent, and certainly not with out Tom and his relationship. So, uh, you know, as many things in life, there's sometimes, you know, serendipitous little, um, you know, events that, that impact our career. And that was certainly one for me. Yeah. And, you know, it makes me think of my client and longtime Marriott friend, Roy Barnes. And Roy Barnes is like the customer experience guy through hospitality. And his first book was with Wiley. He did a, he co-wrote, um, customer experience for dummies he did a for dummies book that's and that's one of wiley's biggest book categories is the for dummies yes yeah and that's what got him started but his second book um customer experience 365 which is kind of like a daily devotional so there's mm. 365 entries for every day of the year that's i guess you could say you could use as a manager for a stand-up and it's just like one little couple of sentences or paragraph or whatever that helps orient people toward uh, providing excellent customer experiences. Mm. And uh, he self-published that one. I actually designed the cover for him. That's and, awesome. Uh, he, he had a lot of success with it. But, you know, when it comes to going the traditional route, you kind of are, from what I've heard, and you can weigh in on this as well, you're directed by the publisher. So once the 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 book proposal is accepted and the contract's drawn up, then you guys got to get busy writing it. But the nice thing about a book proposal and why they do take so long, especially for nonfiction, you've got to have that book proposal up front. You're basically writing the book and the proposal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's an enormous amount of value. I, I, um, the, the book proposal, I think, you know, it forces upon you discipline 
to really talk, uh, to think through some issues that, in fact, you and Dale Roberts brought up in your last podcast about really understanding your target audience. And the the, the, the book proposal, it is a business plan. It yes. is It is a business plan. And the whole point of the proposal is to identify who this book is for, how big the audience is, um, why this book needs to be written, what the competition is. It's very much like a traditional business plan, right? Yep, and absolutely. So it, it, it forces upon you a lot of discipline to really think through these issues. But once you get the book proposal on the table, it really is an open dialogue at that point with Wiley or with whomever publisher you're working with to brainstorm and to tweak the business plan. Because I will say that Wiley, you know, maybe after I've written 20 books, I won't need the the handholding so much, but Wiley provided an enormous amount of value at helping us understand our target audience better, to understand what makes a book sell, um, and 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 to really help, so that they they really helped a lot. And so, um, while I'm sure there's many many other benefits to self-publishing, um, one of which maybe you know there may the finances might be better as far as the monetization of the book, but as it relates to writing the book and conceptualizing the book, I found I found working with a publisher to be very helpful. Yeah, and I and you are leveraging what their experiences and their resources. And that is the biggest value of going with a traditional house. And, you know, it, it's while you were talking about the book proposal being a business plan, it almost makes me think, I think every solopreneur who wants to self-publish their book needs to create their own book proposals. So, they, yeah. yeah, they have a, um, a plan of how they're going to market it. Uh, now, I interviewed... Um, I had Kathy Fiok, mm. and she teaches uh, solopreneurs and and all kinds of experts to that was a write great their podcast. book and write their book in in sixty days, right? And so, what's cool about what Kathy does is she has all these wonderful little tips that help the independent writer who may perhaps not have a publisher or an agent or mm. a guide, so mm-hmm. to speak, to get it done and to figure stuff out. And one of the things that she said on on the interview that blew my mind. I can't believe that I never really thought of it this way, but she said a great exercise is to write a letter to your reader. Mm. And it's how you really center your voice as a writer. And you need a persona. You need that one persona. Like, who am I writing this for? Yes. It's so easy to get sidetracked with, you know, generalizing your audience or trying to cast too big of a net in what you're saying and then and then your work is diluted it's just it, it's just kind of all over the place so i love the idea of doing that and creating a, a and it doesn't have to be robust it, and it doesn't mm-hmm. need to take a year mm-hmm. long either but you know to create some form of book proposal of how you're going to leverage that to grow your business um or is it just a passion project that you just mm. want to get your thoughts out there. I mean, my mm-hmm. first book was a total passion project because it was a memoir. Yes. You know, it was just a story of me and my husband, but yes. that led to me being a writer. Yes. And everything since then has been very um, self-helpy and business-oriented for solopreneurs. And I love writing to my solo audience, and I know my reader. And I think the more I do, just like I know my listener, um, the more I do this and the more I get close to the solopreneur lifestyle and world, 
uh, the more I understand who that person is. So I really, really find a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. So Summer, talk about some of the other things that Wiley brought to the table that were really beneficial specifically. Yeah. Okay. So um, we'll just kind of start with before the book is published and then, you know, and then after the book is released, um, they were so helpful with, you know, things you might not even think about or appreciate, but just like titling the book, like they know what makes a book sell, you know, Mm. which, which not, not to be like superficial about it. I mean, like you want, like I, I care that the book is good, the content is good, but just little things like, you know, tweaking the title of the book can make a huge difference in how well it sells. So I will say 100%, I will give Wiley credit, they helped name both of the books. And if we had gone with our original titles, I'm sure they would have been flops, um, even though the content may have been the same. So um, little (laughs) things like that. uh, this second book, particularly because I was working on it solo, this second book, you know, I've, I've written by myself, um, they were hugely helpful at helping me um, brainstorm and design the table of contents. The table of contents after the book proposal and the contract, um, you know, and all that's behind you. The table of contents is where you roll up your sleeve and really outline what the book is going to say. And furthermore, titling the chapters, just like titling a book, the table of contents, I didn't realize, I didn't appreciate this, but I learned it from, you know, from the guys at Wiley. Um, The table of contents is kind of your advertising. You know, after the book cover and the title catches someone's interest, um, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to look at the table of contents and you know if it's jumping out at you to say oh read this chapter you know and so they were super helpful at at helping craft the table of contents wording um how each how each chapter was named um so little things like that were hugely helpful um uh and once so i just finished the manuscript with the second book you know it's off on wiley's plate now um you know, they have a huge editorial staff that now, you know, polishes the manuscript into, you know, into a better book and helping you communicate your message in a in a clear way. Um, so, you know, that's a resource that has been helpful, uh, particularly to me. I love writing, but, you know, I'm not an English major and I'm sure I butchered the English language, but, you know, but they, they managed to, you know, to, to pull it together. And, um, and then, you know, once the book is ready for publication, um, you know, they have a marketing team and they have a promotion team and they have a distribution team that is really going to help get the book out into um, the channels and, and promote the book on Amazon and, and in bookstores, Barnes and Noble and things like that. One of the things that was kind of interesting that they were helpful in, in securing some of these um, some of these rights. Um, the number one channel for our first book, and these were, this was in the before COVID days, but our number one channel was airport bookstores. I love it. And we were Wiley's number one selling book in 2018 and 2019 in airports. And, um, and you know, you think about it, it's like if your target audience are business people and business travelers and consultants and all sorts of, um, you know, professional services, 
you know, in the before times, they were on airport and they were in airports. And if you've exactly. got an hour layover, you, you know, you grab uh, you grab some snacks, you grab a beverage and, and you might go by the bookstore. And our books were facing the concourse aisle. You know, we were right there beside, you know, all the good to great and seven habits and all the stuff, which was, I would get these, I would get these texts from my friends and they would be in airports all over the country and they would, they would take a picture of my book and it never ceased to just like astonish me that there's my book. It's right there, you know, in the airport. But anyway, they were hugely helpful at, at, at securing those distribution rights and things like that. And, um, um, uh, and, um, yeah, they just there's so many little things, especially as a first time author that I just never would have known how to do had it not been for that support team. So, you know, you trade off, I'm certain, some liberty and freedom and and probably some control over the process in exchange and, and, and mona, monetary as well in exchange for help, you know, in getting the book um, successful. So, well, you know, I think that really boils down to, I hate to say this, but ego. Because if you want your book to reach as many people as possible, it makes sense to court a publisher who mm. can do what Wiley has done for you. Mm -hmm. However, I haven't met anybody that got rich writing a book, by the way. No, no. <laughs> but that means I need to probably hang out with different people. But um, <laughs> <laughs> a new class of friends. I certainly haven't. I mean, my royalty checks are in the single digits when I get mine. So, but my my goal was not to get rich writing the book. My goal right. was to get out what I wanted to communicate, and and I love writing. Um, but I think that for those who want to self-publish, the freedom, the uh, liberty, just like you said, I mean, those are great words to describe, I would believe, the mindset of the self-publisher, yes. you know, to have more control over it, to be able to use it how they want to use it in their business. Um, you know, I know a lot of these self-publishing trainer people are saying, it's your glorified business card and things like that. And and. I don't know. It's just a different way to look at publishing. And I'm thrilled that the barrier to entry regarding self-publishing is like non-existent. Right. That's why I said earlier it was like the wild, wild west out there. Um, but and it's it's good and bad. It's good because anybody who wants to write can write. They don't have the excuse anymore. The bad thing is there's a lot of crap out there. <laughs> Yes. There is a lot of crap yeah. out there. And there's a, and there's a lot of crap that's published, too, by the big houses. That's true. So, Good point. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, um, once you sign a contract with a publisher, it becomes a job. And it, you've got, you know, you've got people breathing down your neck. And it, the, the contract is literally like the contract to buy a home. You know, it's it's this thick. And, and, on, the first, <laughs> and on the first page... You know, it clearly stipulates that the manuscript will be due on such and such date, right? And so once I signed the contract, now you've got a job, you know, yep. this manuscript. Yep. So there's, you know, I'm, like I said, there's, you know, there's benefits both ways. But um, but having that deadline, the deadline, by the way, I, I beat the deadline by a month. I think 60 days is reasonable. Having not written the book before by myself, I wasn't certain how long it would take. Um, 
but I get it. I think 60 days is, is about what it took me um, for a 60,000 word manuscript, which is, which is what mine is. And, um, and so, um, you know, having that daily discipline that, Hey, I'm going to get up and write today and I'm going to have this book done by, by Labor Day um, was, was helpful. And, you know, I'm sure many solopreneurs are self-disciplined people anyway. Um, yes but, and no. But <laughs> have, for those that don't have the self-discipline, you know, having that contractual obligation, you know, it does provide some structure and guidance that, you know, hey, we're going to get this done, um, you know, on time. So Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. Whether you want to write a book to help build your business or it's simply a passion project, writing is a powerful form of creative self-expression. If your ideas will transform the lives of others, what are you waiting for? Let it pour out of you. A writer's journey is just that, a journey. Be honest, be real, and most importantly, be yourself. But if you're struggling to get it done, confused about how to tie it into your business, or dealing with a chronic creative block, get the guidance to get it done. If you want the creative fuel, the nurturing, and the challenge to make your book the best it can be, Pappy Club is the place for you. Join Pappy Club and discover how you can express your perspectives through something that strengthens your brand, your business, and supports the lifestyle you want. Try it for free by visiting pappyclub.com, and that's P-A-P-P-Y-C-L-U-B.com to sign up now, and I'll see you there. Exactly. And I, I mean, just listening to you, I'm feeling the benefit. I really am. I mean, because I've, I've written, I've written seven books, but I've self-published six. Right. And, you know, it, it, with my thing, it's not about producing the work. It's about everything else around it. Right. 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 And, and I'm just sitting here going, I wonder if I, you know, worked with a traditional publisher, whether it's Wiley or Penguin or whoever, uh, you know, what the outcome would be, you know, what mm. would that experience be like for mm. me? And mm -hmm. I, I mean, the one I'm working on now and the one that I'm hoping to do after it, um, you know, those would be awesome books to find an agent and create a proposal and, mm -hmm. and go through that process. I just don't know if that's really what I want to do. Yes. So maybe you and I can talk more offline about yeah. that. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, we certainly, yeah, we certainly can. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, I think there was probably a stigma surrounding self-published books because they're you know, there was no vetting process. And I, my hunch is that a lot of that stigma has gone away. You know, yeah. um, I think that I, I, I think that there's so many good self-published books today. I mean, I've probably read a half dozen great self-published business books in the last six months. And, um, and they're every bit as good as, you know, many of the books that I read are published. So I think that's, that stigma is going, going away. Um, and um, yeah, and I don't know that one one path is better than the other. But like I said, this is this is the path that I have chosen. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if I were to write enough books and get enough of a following, you know, would I ever go the route of self-publishing? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I've got I've got a you know good thing going right now with Wiley. So um, I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, I would too. I'd leverage that, you know, because it is, it's creating a real brand for you. So speaking of which, <laughs> uh, as you know, this season's all about writing a book that builds your business. Yes. And, you know, your your first book and uh, the one you just drafted, How to Win Client Business, 
they're both very specific and the audience is very specific. Mm. And so when you approached Tom for the first book and said, hey, why don't we write a book about all these consulting experiences and and uh, you got to do that, was it just about writing about those experiences or what were you and or Tom thinking and feeling about what that would do for your business and your career professionally as far as what you were do- both doing at the time? Yeah. Um, so... With the first book, I will say it really was not at all about uh, growing my own practice or business. It truly was, uh, without sounding, you know, like Mother Teresa here or something. It was, it was a way of giving back. Mm-hmm. It was like so. I'll, I'll just tell you kind of the whole backstory and like what the point of the first book was. Um, one of the things that happens if and you know this you know this better than anyone um if we end up in our career journey as a consultant a solopreneur in in you know any capacity or in professional services accounting law architecture you name it um we in order for us to be successful it's not enough to be good at what your craft is you have to be good at winning client business or else your career stalls out. And certainly if you're a solopreneur, you know as well as anyone, it doesn't matter how good of a designer you are or um, or a, you know, a tax attorney or whatever, if you cannot make the cash register ring, you will go under. And the whole point of the first book was nowhere ever are we ever taught how to do that like <laughs> like it's 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 like it's it's insane we're we're taught how to do our job and you know many of us spend years of our life you know earning degrees to become you know whatever our profession is um but nowhere even like at college or by our firms if you were to go to work for a you know for a firm nowhere are you ever taught how to win client business and so our point with the first book was knowing what we know now in our 50s like if i could go back and have a beer with myself when i was 25 or 30 this <laughs> is like the stuff that i wish i had known right yeah. so that was the point with the first book um and and you know as it relates to business development in professional services and consulting um where you're selling a service not a product and so that was the whole point with the first book and then once the first book came out i was just like i wasn't anticipating this terry but like my phone started ringing and I started getting emails from people that were like, like me. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was so, it was so incredible. All of a sudden people were reading the book and were like, you know, this is so helpful. I really have gained you know, a lot from this book and, and thank you. And so that satisfied my, my purpose for the first book, which was giving back. Um, and then and then once I realized how much of an impact it had on my personal, you know, practice, um, I, um, you know, I realized I started to understand better the importance of why we write as as solopreneurs and business as business professionals um 
And we listen, I could talk for a whole hour just about that topic alone, which is which is kind of the topic of my second book. Um, but it's I've come to appreciate, Terry, how important things like writing and podcast and speaking are to our ability to win client business because they're what we call in academia credibility markers. And when you when you really do a deep, deep, deep dive into the consumer behavior of how clients buy, they need clues to how good we are because you can't know nearly as easy how good Terry is as a designer as you would going to buy a car off the lot or even buying a home. And and so it's it's just the consumer behavior is so much different. And so these things that we do, whether it's writing, speaking, podcasts, teaching at universities, all these little things, serving on boards, um, they're credibility markers. And when a client is trying to vet different prospective professionals to hire, and they may be both equally competent and capable and trustworthy, if one doesn't provide credibility markers and one does, nine times out of 10, the client is going to go with the one that has provided some credibility markers, such as books and podcasts and things of that nature. So um, it's, it's, it's a fascinating journey into the minds of clients, but it, it does work. And um, so that, that was really what motivated me to write the second book was I'm like, hey, this is awesome. You know, if I write books, people keep calling me and hiring me. And, and this is <laughs> this is cool. And I don't have to cold call and sell but because people are, you know, the book's doing the work for me. Yeah, I love that. So talk a little bit more about what they're asking you when they do call based on what you wrote. What are they asking you for help about? Yeah, so... Um, so far, it's been one of two things, and I have a website. You could make it like a thousand times better. It, it looks like a kindergartner designed it, but um, <laughs> anyway, um, the, uh, you know, the services that I offer on my website are um, coaching, speaking, seminars um, around the topics of business development and consulting and professional services. And um, so when someone reads the book, um, I typically, you know, they typically reach out for one of two, maybe three things. Um, if it's an individual, oftentimes they'll, um, whether they're, whether they're within a firm or a solopreneur, um, oftentimes they're struggling with business development and they want to coach. And so they're reaching out to me for that. Um, oftentimes I'll get asked, you know, um, would you be willing to speak, you know, in front of, you know, to my team or, um, you know, to our organization. And so, you know, that's another request. Um, you, you, I do get some of this is not as frequent, but for doing like multi-day seminars, you know, where maybe you're, you're invited in to do an in-house you know, three day, um, you know, workshop or something like that. So that's pretty much been what um, kind of what the books teed up for me, which really fits perfectly with what I want to be doing, which is teaching, you know, which complements, you know, my work at the university. Yeah, definitely. I can see how that really resonates with you because you're still kind of feeding that passion of giving back. And yeah. sharing things that really there's not a lot of resources about. You know, there's sales techniques and, oh, my God, there's tons of sales 
techniques, you know, between Sandler and snap selling and spin selling and this selling and that selling. <laughs> but we don't really want to know how to do the craft per se because that's saturated us. We want to understand the psychology and the thought process and the what drives a client to buy, mm. to make decisions, mm. and how are they perceiving mm. the value that's being presented them? And and these are things that you're uncovering in, in both the books. Now, I haven't seen a draft of the second one, but if it's anywhere near as good as the first one, then uh, which I know it will be, um, I'm sure you're addressing that as well. So one of the things that kind of popped in my head as I was listening to you, because it's almost like you wrote the book and your motive was give back and, you know, focusing on things that you learned that you felt needed to be shared in the world. And when you look at writing a book that builds your business, you're kind of getting benefit retroactively. (laughs) You know, it's not like you wrote that book intentionally to be a companion piece to a coaching or Mm. speaking business that you're defining, Mm -hmm. uh, where the book basically lays the foundation for any work you would do as a coach or in a workshop or from the stage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's really interesting how that response that you've been getting from it is almost, I don't want to say dictating, but leading you to get more into these other areas of this consultative work. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was, I was, as anyone, um, you know, when you write a book for the first time, you have no idea if it's going to sell 10 copies to your mom and your best friends, or if it's going to sell, you know, tens of thousands of copies. And, um, and so, you know, the hope with the first book, I really didn't have any, you know, grand goals that, you know, this was going to be a, you know, a, a successful book. Um, but once I realized the, I guess I knew I knew somewhere in the back of my mind that if you wrote a good book and it resonated with your audience and the book gained some traction, I knew in the back of my mind that it would help my business, even though that was not my primary motive. But once you started to hear that feedback from people and it strokes your ego and it feels good and you realize that you did connect with people, um, it, it feels good and and I wanted to do more of it, you know, not nice. like seeking the praise, but like genuinely wanting to help these people and, mm-hmm. and to connect. And um, and so, um, yeah, it, it 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 has been a it has been a fascinating journey, you know, becoming a writer. I think, you know, as human creatures, we're we're, we're hardwired to be creative in some way. And I'm not an artist. I'm not a musician. Um, you know, but I do feel like if I look back over, you know, the arc of my career, I can see patterns of where I, I was drawn to the art of writing, the, the, you know, the creative process of writing and, 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 and not everybody is, but once, once you start to do that and it feels good and you start to realize that people are, um, are, you know, are, enjoying it and they're benefiting from it and they let you know that it makes you want to do more of it. Right. And, um, you know, but as solopreneurs, we, we can only do so much work in a, in a day or week. Right. Mm. And, and I'm already like, you know, many of us, I'm already working as many hours as I can possibly work. But if we get smarter, hopefully we can do work 
that we enjoy more, that maybe better aligns with our skills. Maybe we can, you know, maybe we can get uh, paid better, you know, for the work that we're doing. So I think the book has provided those benefits beyond just being busy, but allowing you to be more selective about the work that you want to do. Make sure you enjoy it. Feels like feel like it's a good fit, and and then hopefully get paid better for you know for the work that we're doing. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when there is only one of us for right? crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean we 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 we're not scalable. The work we do is not scalable and mm-hmm. certainly not scalable and you know as a solopreneur, we've only got so many hours in in you know in in a week and um so you know, I think uh, the book has provided a platform to be more selective with my clients and also to pick and choose work that I think I will enjoy more and maybe be a better fit for really what, you know, what I'm good at. And, um, you know, and then, you know, as we as we get more, become more successful, you know, we can raise our rates, you know, I mean, there's certainly market limitations to what we can charge. But, you know, there's plenty of successful consultants out there charging $50 an hour and others are charging $500 an hour. Well, mm-hmm. hey, I'd like to charge $500 an hour. What's wrong with that? You know, <laughs> there's nothing so wrong with that. I've charged $50 an hour for a long time. And, you know, you can be just as busy doing that. So, yep, absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's really uh, what you just shared was really powerful stuff because, you know, understanding kind of where you're at and what you're trying to accomplish in creating a lifestyle as a solopreneur, you know, Mm. working with clients you love and uh, doing work that you enjoy. I mean, to me, that defines my solopreneur uh, is not someone who's looking, you know, to just get as much as they can and work their butts off. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But Mm. for me, it's like what really matters is the enrichment of your life experience through the work you do in your business. Because, uh, you know, that is life as, you know, mm. because of all the time we spend doing work we love to do. Mm-hmm. So I want to wrap up, Doug, by ha- asking you to just provide a couple of things that you would like to recommend to a solopreneur who is considering jumping into the book world and writing their first draft or continuing writing if they've already done their first uh, mm-hmm. book. Uh, regardless of whether they self-publish or they go traditional, right? right. Um, what are some things that you would recommend to them that you would advise them around? Yeah, well, I'm going to take that question, and with your permission, I'm going to tweak it just slightly. Um, so the first thing, and I talk a lot about this in the second book, um, and, and it goes back to that topic that you know I brought up earlier about credibility markers. Um, in order for us to become successful as rainmakers, you know, at, at successful at winning client business, we have to do things that demonstrate our expertise. Being being a recluse and really good at what we do is not going to make the phones ring and the cash registers ring, right? So we, because clients really struggle to know who are the posers from the experts. They need they need these clues, things that are that demonstrate our expertise, that 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 call the herd from the the really gifted and 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 those that that are less so. And um, so the first thing I'll say is writing is just one of those uh, one of those clues. Um, not everybody's a good writer, and not everybody enjoys writing. And so the first thing I would say is 
Don't try to do something that you're not good at. You would not be successful with this podcast if you did not enjoy doing the podcast. And I know you enjoy doing it because I can see you smiling, right? <laughs> so so the first thing I would say to anyone is if you're not, if you don't like, if you're not drawn to the, like, at least as an idea, like, oh, I could see myself writing a book or something like that, then don't do it because there's other ways you can provide clues to demonstrate your expertise to clients. Um, and, you know, we talked about just a few of them, but, um, you know, podcast, speaking, some people are brilliant speakers, but maybe terrible writers. So don't write a book, go speak. Um, serving on boards, teaching at universities, winning you know industry awards. There's lots of things we can do to provide clues to our clients. So the first thing I would say is don't go out and say, Doug said, write a book. And everybody goes and tries to write a book unless you really want to write a book, right? And um, so that's the first thing I would say. Um, secondly, there's a lot of ways to write to demonstrate our expertise other than books, right? Um, I mean, you know, that's just one avenue, but there's many gifted writers that have never written a book, right? They're writing amazing blogs. Um, they're writing great articles in, in magazines. They're writing white papers. They're doing monthly industry newsletters. So, you know, the first thing I would say is if you enjoy writing, get started writing and it doesn't have to necessarily be a, book. be a book you know i wrote a blog for you know over 10 years before the idea of a book ever you know occurred to me so um by writing daily weekly you know we will become better at our craft right so i would say just start start writing find a channel that you enjoy find a medium that you enjoy and just start writing um the third thing I would say is don't get hung up on, I wouldn't frankly get hung up on whether it gets published by you or by someone else. Um, I don't think there's any harm in shopping it around to see if you can get a, a contract with the publishing company. By the way, I, I touched on this earlier. I'll just mention, I think, I think there was a time when you had to have an agent to get a publishing deal. I know two friends that have just gotten publishing deals with Wiley that didn't have agents. So I think that's changing, at least with Wiley. I don't know about the other publishing houses. So um, so you don't necessarily don't feel like you have to have an agent, but it doesn't hurt. When you have an agent like I do, I share part of the proceeds of the book with her, right? And I'm glad to do it because she's provided a lot of value. If you go directly to the publisher and you get a book deal, then you're keeping more of that money for yourself. So it's just it's just a different path. But I do think that's changing. Um, let's see what else. Um, the cool thing that I didn't know, um, at least as it relates to writing a book, is you don't actually write the book until you get the book contract. You know, at least if you're going with the publisher, I always envisioned like, you know, like, um, you know, Hemingway pecking at a typewriter, like, you know, you had to write the book and then you shop it around with nonfiction, you write the proposal. And um, so get started with a proposal. My first book proposal, our first book proposal was about 60 pages. The second one was about 10 pages. So I think it doesn't have to be 60 pages. It probably needs to be at least 10 pages for a good proposal. And there's lots of good outlines online. Um, but, you know, basically it's a it's a um, it's a business plan for why you need to write this book. And um, anyway, um, I don't know if anything I said there triggers another thought, but those yeah, are just a, no, those no, are the, that's those great are, stuff. That's really great stuff. I love the first part, especially, you know, don't don't do it if it doesn't feel good. 
<laughs> right? That's true about just about anything, isn't it? Don't right? do it if it doesn't feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Doug, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful to the time you've spent with, with me and for creating uh, your first book, which I actually, it's on my, my Inside Pappy Club. I have a vetted resources page that has all my top books that I recommend. Like, you must read this if you're a solopreneur and yours is on it. <laughs> so, Thank you. Thank yes, you. you are forever a recommended read for, for my clients and solopreneurs that I work with. So I do appreciate uh, what you've created there with Tom and can't wait wait to get my grubby little hands on your next one and uh, I wish you well and we'll definitely have you back on a future uh, few future episode we'll talk more about how clients buy all right thanks so much for being here Doug thank you Terry it's a pleasure well that's it for this episode thank you for joining me you know being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance resources and community to help drive your business vision the great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.